Uh, our theme is going to be the Redemption Ranch. And so everything that you see here uh, on the walls and everything that's been made out in the foyer uh, has been made to mimic cowboys and cowboy stuff. Now, I'm going to just break the news to you. You see these? And see this, how it's conspicuously not a cowboy hat? If, if I'm completely honest with you, I have never owned a pair of cowboy boots, nor a cowboy hat. It, does that, can, I, can I still be here? Is that okay? Good, thank you. I've ridden horses several times. I've ridden them with tennis shoes, though. So I never, never had a pair of cowboy boots, never had a cowboy hat. I'm sorry. Maybe somewhere around the toy section of Walmart tomorrow, I'll find a cowboy hat. Probably won't be able to find those boots, but maybe I can satisfy the cowboy hat tomorrow. It's good to see you guys. We got a lot of things that we're going to learn about this week, and I hope that you'll come every night. We also have four new uh, awards that are going to be given out starting tomorrow night. And this is going to be for the class who's the quietest when they leave and when they go to other places so they don't disturb those other classes. And for those class that is the cleanest who doesn't leave our kitchen staff a big giant mess. And we'll have one for the class that has the most people in it. So you can, you can make your class win if you keep bringing folks. And then we're going to have one that is a, an award every night for those who are the most visitors. Now, tomorrow night when we give out the awards for tonight, nobody will get the visitor award. Because this is night number one. And that means nobody's a visitor. Everybody's the, for the first time here, right? So all that award starts tomorrow night. So... Let's keep in mind those kinds of things. We'll be real quiet. We'll be really clean, all those good kind of stuff. And tonight, uh, teachers, the schedule will be just a little bit differently because of the activities that will happen afterward and the, the meal that will happen afterward. I think we'll stay in our classes for a majority of the time or, you know, what, however they do that. I don't know. I'm teaching the adult class. The adults, we're going to stay in here. So uh, however that works out, y'all figure that out. Why is my face itching? Do we have some songs? Are we going to sing any songs? Oh, welcome to... Hey, I didn't even know they had my picture up there. There it is. There it is. Have you seen the Redemption Ranch guy? The guy on the little the thing out here. Have you seen him? Do you guys speak English? Have you, have you seen him out here? Listen, I've been working on this all week. There are two over here don't want me to do this. But I've been working on this all week, and this is what I think he sounds like. Yeehaw and howdy! That's what he looks like. So we're glad to have you guys with us. We're going to have a great week, and I hope that you will have a great week too. Stand up, and we'll sing some songs. Jesus loves me. job sit down we're going to be branded or hopefully will be branded in the image of Jesus the Christ this week as you go through your hallways you're going to see pictures that look eerily similar to this cactus 
and there'll be several cacti, that's the plural, in the, in the uh, hallways. You'll see something looks exactly like those two bulls there, and you know that they're not cows. Why? That's right. Lance, Lance from Eagleville hates that because he can tell you, you know, cows have horns too, which we just like to ag him on with that. But you'll see all those pictures throughout the hallway and then pictures of what we're going to study about this week and realize everything that you see in that hallway, that there are men and women inside this room who put forth a lot of effort and a lot of time in order to get those things that way for you. So make sure you say thank you. And also do me a favor, as you're walking through, do not walk like this and scrape your little fingers down the pants. Let's, let's make sure we, we don't just scrape things up or tear things because we're going to take this in about a month up to Eagleville for them. What is our next song? Uh-oh. How many of you know this one? Yeah. What book is that found in? Anybody know? You have a choice of 66, but really you only have a choice of 27. It's in the New Testament. I would go with book number one. What book would that be? Matthew, that's right. How about this? What chapter? It's in between chapter 6 and chapter 8. Great job. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rain came tumbling down. Oh, the rain came down and the flood came up. The rain came down and the flood came up. The rain came down and the flood came up. And the wise man's house stood Good job. All right, this is the guy. This is the guy I was telling you about. You see him? I promise you he sounds like this. Yeehaw and howdy. That's that guy. So you'll see Dusty throughout uh, the, the hallways there. And you'll see the idea of the Redemption Ranch. Uh, be cautious about the fire that's out there. Could burn you or not. But there are big rocks around it, so be careful with little fingers around the big rocks. Let's see what our next song is. All right, I'm in the Lord's Army. Stand up. We're going to change this a little bit since we are dealing with um, cowboy stuff this week. We'll sing it each, each night as uh, the cowboy edition. Tyler and Jonathan will be Wednesday and Thursday, so if you don't know it, you've got three days to learn it. Are you ready? I may never march in the infantry, ride in the gallery, shoot the artillery. I may never fight for the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yeah! I'm in the Lord's army. Yeah! I'm in the Lord's 
Yeehaw! All right, we're going to change things up a little bit. We're supposed to have a prayer right here. See how you have no thing up there? Here's what I found out over many, many years of VBS. We first used to sing the booster song and then try to have a prayer, but you can't calm a bunch of folks down for a prayer after the booster song because everybody's boosted up. So we're going to have a prayer here. Does anybody have that prayer, by the way? Tim Weimer has it, don't you? Thank you, sir. <laughs> Appreciate that. We're going to let Tim stand there and lead us in a prayer. And then we'll do the booster song. And after we do that booster song, as we're going out, make sure to remember that there are judges around seeing who will be the quietest. please now this song is a make it or break it song and I have been told that if this song even from the outset is not long enough or is not loud enough rather that it will cost me my job so I need you to be really really loud okay you too I like it here. I want to stay here. So, you ready? Is there anybody not ready? Okay. That was pitiful. I, I, was, I was searching for words that would be less offensive than that, but I just don't know. Maybe it's because I'm way down here and you can't see me. Are you ready? You got to go like a hundred times louder than that, okay? Are you ready? You don't really sound like you're ready. Are you ready? Yeah. Good. Booster. You know, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. You guys did fairly well for a Sunday night. Go into your classes, learn about some, uh, some stories Jesus would tell as he was alive. You'll enjoy yourself, and we'll meet back uh, later on at a meal, okay? Do we go by? Okay. How about six months to 18 months? Y'all go ahead. 18 months to uh, two and a half years. Don't run over the little babies, but we'll go right after them, okay? You ready? You ready for school, for class? Yeah. All right. 18 months to two and a half years.
Uh-oh. Hey, Jason. Don't lose Jason's boot. Two and a half to three. Four-year-old in pre-K. Then the group known as kindergarten. First and second grade. Ooh, first and second grade have a big, big class. That's going to be fun. Third and fourth. Are all you guys fifth and sixth? That's pretty big too. Fifth and sixth. Brother Allen's like herding earthworms. Best of luck to you. Teen class. Fly, be free. Now, here's, here's what we can do. How, partner? Here's what we can do as the adult class. You can stay where you are, I don't care. Or you can scooch in, I don't care. But do whatever you want to do. I got to get a Bible. And, and take a Bible. I remember not to, not to leave that one. Can I borrow one of your Bibles back here? That's the one. Howdy. It's good to see you all tonight. You and I are going to be studying from Matthew chapter number 25. I don't know why I'm talking to you like you're still the, the young ones here. <laughs> That's just exactly what it sounded like. I need a prop to put my body against. This week, you and I are going to be looking uh, first exclusively at the New Testament. And so when we do that, now we have in our minds and in, in the, the students of the Bible's ideas, we've narrowed the scope down to one particular time. So in, in the process of time, what we're looking at is the first century in which Jesus lived from zero to 99. When we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that scope is narrowed down even further. So now, really, we're looking at about a 30-year, 33-year period of time within those four books uh, that really narrow us down to a time in which Jerusalem is not what she used to be. Everyone who lives in Israel at this time is is longing for the good old days. How many of you know any older people while you were growing up who talked about the good old days? I don't talk about the good old days to my daughters. I tell them, though, you should have lived in America. It was a great place. I guess it's the same thing. So as, they, as they, the, the Jewish mindset in Jesus' day, they're looking for uh, the good old days 
when David was on the throne, when, when Solomon had money flowing through the nation in abundance. And so that's what they're looking for. But while you have that mindset of people who live in that place, at the same time, the people who are in charge are Romans. And the Romans are an interesting group of people because if everything runs smoothly in your place that you live, they will let it continue to run smoothly. They're not going to rock the boat. If it doesn't run smoothly, they'll come in there and kill a bunch of people, and then the people who are left will either run smoothly or die too. So it's kind of, was that us? I heard beeping. Did anybody else hear that beeping? Okay, it's not just me. All right. So the Romans who are in charge want peace to reign where they are, and the, the Jews who are living with Jesus during his day want uh, Israel to be taken back to their former glory. The, the Jewish people are looking for the one called Messiah. They've been looking for him. They, they have consistently been looking for him since uh, Abraham. And now... As we read about him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's here, and they don't like that. As a matter of fact, where we're going to study in Matthew chapter 25 tonight, he's almost not here. He's at the end of his life. He's in something known as the Olivet Discourse. He's on the side of the Mount of Olives, and he's speaking to his disciples, those, those hand-picked disciples. You remember those guys. Jesus called them one by one. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. You know those guys. Outstanding young fellows, huh? Well, yes and no. They, they were outstanding. God would have chosen them, were they not? That every single one of them are going to be tempted uh, to kind of push Jesus aside. It's Judas who's going to follow up with that. They all have points of time where they're really, really strong. And they all have points in time where they are really Really weak. And this is one of the last opportunities Jesus will have to speak to them while he's on this side of eternity. This is one of the last times he's going to individually speak to them. They may hear him speaking to others. They may grab those, um, those uh, principles from that. This is the last time he's going to look them in their eyes and speak to them. We have to go all the way back to Matthew chapter 24 in order to realize that he's speaking to these disciples. If you have a Bible that's in black and white and red ink, you'll hear or you'll read, then Jesus said this about the kingdom, then Jesus said that about the kingdom, then Jesus said this, and as you go back, you find those black letters, and it finally lets us know that he's speaking to those disciples. It really weirds me out when Tim's behind me. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> it's none of my business. Good deal. A parable. Somebody who not, was not in the... Wednesday night class of the telling me the story of Jesus, that class that the one we did in here, somebody who was not in that class, answer this question for me. 
What is a parable? Emma's so glad she was in that class, so I won't have to call on her. <laughs> Anybody? Here we go. See, that's, that's the textbook definition that we give, isn't it? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And, and we, we've got that and we understand that, don't we? An earthly story, and it's, it's laying out some sort of heavenly principle. Let's look for a moment. Uh, this may bore you who were already in class, but let's look for a moment at the word parable. The word parable is a transliteration. A transliteration means they're going from one language to another, and they really don't have a word for it. And so they take what it sounds like and make English letters out of it. They take the word, the Greek word, parable, in its root form, and they say, that looks like parable. Here we go. The word parable means to lay down beside. How many of you ever... Did they, did they do over here, did they do a scholastic book uh, where you bought them at the school? You know, you, you, it was a big thing to go buy a book at the school during a scholastic book fair. Somebody shake or nod. Thank you, thank you. We had one, and I, got, I remember one book I got to buy when I was a kid, and it was a tracing book. You know, not every book you buy at the Scholastic Book Fair is going to help you uh, academically. This one was, it had, uh, it had these rudimentary um, doodles in it. And it came with paper that was really, really thin. So you could put that paper on top of that doodle and then you could draw it yourself. You ever seen those? Yeah. Then you know what a parable is. It lays down beside. You can trace on the paper of our lives the truth of God's will. So we have the idea of a parable. So this week, as we study through uh, what Jesus will teach, we're going to study him every night. We're going to study the idea of parables every single night. So let's start. What time's this thing over, Scott? Do you know? Or I just keep going until midnight. 7.30, midnight scripture. Y'all know that, right? Somebody had to fall out a window. But we'll have to find one first. So. We find ourselves in verse number 14. Now, I need you to know something. This version that I'm reading is not going to be the King James Version. And it's going to substitute the words five talents and two talents for a sum of money, all right? And as you and I read that, we're going to understand that these talents are sums of money, even though we probably have been taught all our lives that those are talents that we have, right? Are you using your talents? You heard that one from here all the time? It's not what it's talking about. But we can make that application. Let's notice here. Also, it, the kingdom of heaven, is like a man going on a journey who called slaves and delivered to them his possessions. He gave to one $5,000, to another $2,000, and to another $1,000. Does that make sense? Five talents, two talents, 
one talent. Now, if you write in your Bible, here's where you underscore. Here's how these talents were divided up. According to the ability of each. After he departed right away, one, the one who had $5,000 made an investment and gained 5000 more. Likewise, the one who received $2,000 gained 2000 more. But the one who had received the $1,000 went his way and dug into the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves returned and settled his account with them. The one with 5000 brought 5000 more, saying, Master, you gave me 5000 Look, I've gained 5000 more. The master said, Splendid, useful and dependable slave. You were dependable with a few things. I will put you over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one with $2,000 came and said, Master, you gave me $2,000, and look, I have gained $2,000 more. And the master said, Splendid, useful and dependable slave. You were dependable with a few things. I will put you over many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Finally, the one who received $1,000 came and reported, Master, I knew you. I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you didn't scatter. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your money in the earth. Look, you have what is yours. His master replied, wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reaped where I did not sow, where I gathered, where I didn't scatter. Therefore, you should have deposited the money with the bankers so that when I came back, I might receive that money with interest. So, take from him the $1,000 and give it to the man who has $10,000. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, that will be taken. Throw this worth, worthless slave into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, we're going to tie that in for a moment into 31 and 32, but we're going to wait to get there. How many of you have ever had a job where you were responsible for spending someone else's money. Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. Perhaps, uh, so, so my house got a little bit of hail damage. I don't know if y'all know that or not. It did. But what if Tim does the work on that? And uh, I say, Tim Weimer, I've got a million dollars that they gave us. I don't. I got a million dollars that they've given us. Spend my money wisely. Is that his money he'll be spending on the construction or mine? That'd be mine. He, he then would be a steward over that money. For anyone who has spent money of someone else's in order to uh, 
pushed the business forward, then you have been a steward. You have been responsible for someone else's money. Here you have three slaves, and they are going to be stewards of this man's money. Did he have more than that? More money? Yeah, probably so. Did he have more than just money? Yeah, probably so. But here in this parable, Jesus is only dealing with the three servants who deal with this section of money that's only going to start out as $8,000 or eight talents. Five talent, two talent, one talent. So we have to remove from our mind the fact that we have an English word that is talent that means something different from money. This is a, this is a piece of money he's giving them to watch over and take care of. And the qualifier, verse number 14, for the, the amount of money he gives them is by what they can handle. How many of your mothers ever said to you, give that boy enough rope and he'll hang himself? Our, our girls, give that girl enough rope. Yeah. You know what mom is saying? Mom's saying you can't handle everything you think you can. You, you can't do everything that you think you can. You have a little too much confidence in yourself. Confidence is a good thing. A little too much confidence is egotistical, right? Somebody shake or nod. All right, here we go. Y'all, we're still awake. We might need some of those VBS cookies while we're here just studying. Here are men, slaves, who have been determined by the owner what they can handle. He gives them the amount of money that he thinks they can handle. So for one, he gives five talents of gold. For one, he gives two talents of gold. And for one, he gives one talent of gold. And then he leaves. Then he, for, for however long, he just up and vanishes. They don't hear from him. They don't, uh, he doesn't check in on them. He doesn't send them emails and texts. That stuff doesn't exist. He could send one via messenger pony, I guess, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't come in and check on them, make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do. He doesn't stand over them like, like a helicopter parent, make sure you're doing this, make sure you're doing that. Why? It's all going to come out in the wash anyway. He just leaves. Then he comes back. Just, just as, as quickly seeming as he left, he just shows up. He didn't give him any warning. He didn't tell him I'm going to be back next Tuesday at noon. He didn't tell him any of that. He just showed back up. How many of you would do your best work if you knew the boss was coming back at noon on Tuesday? 
You'd be ready for Tuesday at noon, wouldn't you? Would you be ready Monday at 5.30? You'd say, no, I got till tomorrow at noon. Maybe that's why I didn't tell them. He comes and has a reckoning. That's a, uh, a business term, a, a term of uh, mathematics and bookkeeping. You have a debit side of the book and a credit side of the book. Which one do you like, the debit side or the credit side? Yeah, oh, oh yeah, everybody likes the credit side. Well, when you take that line and go whoosh, and you write a B right beside it as it's balanced. Y'all know what that means? That's the day of reckoning. How many of you check your checking account daily and balance it? God bless your hearts. I'm be real honest with you. I hadn't checked a checking account in 22 years, and I'm so proud of that. But it is balanced to the penny, daily. She does that. If not, if it doesn't balance, a, a furl happens, and then we have a flipping of, why didn't this balance? Then we generally find some sense somewhere that was, the numbers were transposed. Then it balances out. This is a day of reckoning. First for the bank, and then for the book in which those banking numbers are kept, this is the day of reckoning. There is no more time to prepare. There is, there, there's not another day. Matter of fact, not another minute. This is the day. Here we go. Just as quickly as I left, here I am again. And he says, five talent man, come on down. As we would say in the 80s, you're the first contestant on Price is Right. What did you do with your five talents? Well, I didn't know when you were coming back. I didn't know what I should be doing, but I thought if I ran out of talents, that's going to be a bad thing. So I probably need to stockpile a little bit so that if you're a little further out, I have something to live on and we can keep things going. When the man comes back and has the reckoning, he has doubled his five talents. So the great... Slave owner, the great master says, in this version, Splendid, useful, and dependable servant. In the old King James, he would say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. How many times have you heard in prayers through the years, someone say, We hope to hear on that final day, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What if he said, you did splendidly? I appreciate that. Same thing. 
Bring the man that has two talents. He then is the next contestant. On. Thank you, Tim. Are y'all sure? Are y'all sure? He says, what have you done? He said, well, I put it into the marketplace and I got, I got two more. To which that master said, that's excellent. You, two-talent man, are appreciated for your work and for your effort. And then there's that one-talent man that we notice dug a hole and put it in the ground and, and then seemingly couldn't find it. He never delivered it back. He couldn't find it. And, and it seems like as that one-talent man begins to answer the master, he said, well, you, you, you got more than my one talent already, so we kind of should, uh, you know, just balance out right there. Now, let me ask you a question. And I want you to put the master hat on just for a minute. Would you be happy with that? Mm-mm. Neither was he. He said, lazy and useless slave. And he mimics exactly what the excuse was that the man gave to him. You knew I was hard. You knew I I gained things where it seemingly I didn't work very hard for them. Although he did do some work. You, you knew I did that. And yet, even that reputation, you said, I'm just going to take it and bury it right in the ground. Now, let's pull in verses 31 and 32. He said, first, throw this worthless slave into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, here's the next statement he begins with. When the Son of Man comes in His grandeur and all His angels with Him, then He'll sit on a glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before Him and He'll separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. We have seen that particular uh, parable a hundred times. We're going to look at it a little further this evening as we have opportunity. Why does he tell that parable to that group of people? They've been following him for three and a half years. You look at Peter's life, and he has an interesting life as he starts life as a, as a fisherman who is married, and eventually we'll find out I'm not sure if he did then, but he has children, right? Does Peter have children? Does Peter have children? Let me ask you a question. Is Peter an elder? Does he have children? Thank you. So he has kids, he has a wife, but seemingly for three and a half years, he put those guys to the side wonder how much that pulled on him. Should I go back? Should I stay? Should I keep following after the Messiah? Should I, should I go back and make sure everything around the house is okay? You see how he's pulled in a couple of different directions? You have uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who have a thriving fishing 
enterprise going on with multiple boats. They're rich. These guys are rich. And they give everything up to live like paupers? Is there anything wrong with fishing as a living? Nope. What do you do when Jesus calls? Do you stay or do you go? Why is he telling this group that? They seem to be... He seems to be wasting his breath. This seems to be the group that doesn't need to hear that, right? Wait just a moment. Aren't they still being tempted? Didn't Jesus look at Peter and say, Get thee behind me, Satan? You look as when he, when he looks across there and, and is kissed on his cheek by Judas. And we, we look at that particular uh, section of Jesus' life and we almost grit our teeth at Judas, but don't think Judas was the only one getting pulled that direction. Satan would have used any end he could have used in order to destroy Jesus and what was going on. Just happened to be the end that he used was Judas. I can't believe he did that. <laughs> you can't believe he did that. It was written down 1,500 years before it happened. It was right back there in black and white. Now you cannot, I can't believe that. How can you not believe it? It was right there. Oh, this, is this the group of people he's supposed to uh, speak this parable to? Maybe, maybe there was somebody else with them. There was nobody else there. From chapter 24 throughout uh, about chapter 25 and 26, it's, it's him and the hand-picked twelve. Are you telling me that there are some of those disciples who will become the apostles who have more abilities than the other? That's a trick question. Shake your head like this. Yeah. Are there some preachers who have more abilities than others? Are there some who are fantastic online and some who are not? Yes. There are. You know what, in this whole scenario, with the five, the two, and the one, here's what you don't have. Billy, you're going to be based... 7.30 is all I had? Oh, my goodness. Billy, you're going to be judged on Michael's talents. Well, that's not fair, is it? Then he would have... I got plenty of soap left. We could go to 8.30 or 9. I want you to look at this in probably a certain way that you never have before. And I want you to notice this. If there's any one thing that you should hopefully learn from tonight that you've, that you've not seen within this parable, here it is. There is a benchmark. There's a benchmark for pleasing God. And it doesn't matter if you have five, two, or one. And the benchmark is not a specific number. So when the benchmark is placed there, God did not say everybody must bring five talents. Because that's going to be kind of tough for two-talent man and one-talent man, isn't it? 
But there is a benchmark. The benchmark is this. You're going to have to show some improvement. That's the benchmark. Well, what does improvement look like? Well, were you better today than you were yesterday? You ever had a day where you think, I wish I could just go back to bed and start this day over? Maybe that's the day I didn't meet the benchmark. God has a benchmark for us, and it is to consistently improve. You've heard me say time, time, time to time that you can, uh, God will take you right where you are, but you can't stay there. I can't be satisfied with what happened today, tomorrow. I have to be working for tomorrow, and then I have to be working for tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. He expected this five, this two, and this one talent man to increase in productivity. Now, you're going to hate this application, but I'm going to give it to you. Are you ready? It's what he expects from us, too. You know, I, I taught Bible school 27 years ago, so I'll be, whoa, 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 whoa. What you been done the last 27 years? I used to lead singing back when I was, well, why not now? Sometimes what we say to ourselves is, that's a younger generation job. Here it is. I can't find a verse in the entirety of the 66, but especially the 27 of the New Testament, where it would say, Christian, when you get to this age, you can retire. That's a hard thing to hear, isn't it? But what I do find are plenty of verses that say the retirement of a Christian is out of this world. Did you like that one? Jesus would say, John chapter 9, verse 4, we're going to close with this one. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can work. Improve. Consistently improve. Teaching those who are younger, teaching those who are older, have something to show on the day of reckoning. I sure do appreciate your time and attention. Uh, let's, let's have a prayer, and I'll do that, and then we will move out toward the multi-purpose building, and we will uh, enjoy some festivities. Let's pray. Our dearly Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the time that you've given us. We pray that as we have this time together that we will look at your word deeply, and we'll examine it, we'll tear it apart, and that we will take those uh, principles from it and that we will apply those things to our lives as it is our longing and our desperation that on that final day we hear you say to us, Splendid, useful servant. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.